down at the bottom of the barrel, it's got like an orange, like a little sight mm-hmm. that it puts it right where, like it, it puts you right online. So there you go. It's pretty sweet. Hell yeah, man. Anyways, are we about ready to get into this? Yeah, let's do it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of 4.30 in the morning. This is your boy, Ben. And Pat is back as well. Number 40, man. Yep, big four zero. The big four zero. I'm impressed. I am, too. We're, we're doing good. We're doing really well. We're going um, along. Moving along. Obviously, it took us a little bit longer to get the last episode up. It's been a busy week. There were technical difficulties on my end, <laughs> is what we're going to go with. But we got it up, so please sure to uh, check it out. I don't know if it was our best episode, but it wasn't terrible. Definitely it, wasn't it, our it worst. It was good. Definitely it wasn't was good. our worst. Yeah, definitely. What was our worst? Um, We had a streak of bad ones. Like, the haunted one wasn't really that good. My particular spooktacular wasn't good. It's got, like, 40 listens, though. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> now our stats this week were not good at all. Well, yeah. So we're gonna have to get this episode up quickly, and then we're gonna have to get on the advertising again. We're gonna have to start posting yeah, shit, definitely. But hopefully, we can drive up some listenership. Sure, this should be a very popular episode. This is a popular topic that we're getting into today. So. Definitely. Anyways, uh, what kind of news stories you got today? I have uh, two news stories, and I I have like a like a random fact type thing. All right, that sounds good. So my first news story is from CNN, Pat's favorite. Yes. Home renovation leads to the discovery of over one. 150 bowling balls under a family's porch. Bowling uh, balls? A homeowner in Michigan found an unusual surprise when renovating his porch. David Olson, 33, said he uncovered over 150 bowling balls when he demolished the concrete slab of the porch at his home in Norton Shores. Before I smashed everything with a hammer, I was able to pull one of the cinder blocks on the side out and take a peek, Olson said. I saw a bunch of sand and, a, and half of a black and blue sphere. And that's when I was intrigued and started brushing the sand off and realized it was a bowling ball. Found 150 of them, dude. Okay, my first question, and this is kind of a dumb question, but how did this get reported to the news agency? <laughs> I don't know. Did, I don't know. Did he call him up like, hey, I got a story for you guys. Guess what I found under my porch? I have no or, idea. Or, I don't know. I don't know how that... I don't know how this, maybe... I don't know. I'm happy we're learning about this, but I'm just wondering... Like, who would you call to ask a question, ask that question, why are there 150 bowling balls under or my porch? Or do you... Are you are you asking the question or are you just declaring it? Are you just like, guess what I found, guys? This is great. This is big news. <laughs> I think maybe both. Maybe. Okay. I would want to find out. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. I guess you call up the local bowling alleys. Hey, you guys missing any? Yeah. They, do they? Or, do you think they have a bowling ball database that they keep track of anything that goes missing? You think they have GPS trackers in each bowling ball? If Patrick Mahomes had his way, yes. <laughs> right. You're not. You're not lying. Since he had no idea how long the bowling balls had been there or how or how they got there, Ol- Olsen called the man manufacturer brunswick bowling products to confirm that none of the materials used to make the bowling balls had turned toxic that's actually a good idea olsen said brunswick confirmed that they were clean and had him take pictures some balls had serial numbers and engravings on the back dated to the 1950s the same time uh the same time frame in which olsen's house was built however it's unclear when they were put under the home that is a really weird yeah that's just a weird it's just weird man it's a weird story all around like where who has 150 (laughs) bowling balls to get rid of for one unless you're a bowling alley how do they get there put why underneath the porch of all the places you can put the balls <laughs> yeah man i don't know man this is probably weird. like a weird hoarder probably i don't know it's weird man <laughs> now, where was this again did it Mich- say michigan michigan okay so not terribly far from where we're at norton shores i have no idea where that's at <laughs> me neither but yeah man that's it's weird pretty funny i don't know i don't really have much to add to that <laughs> i'm curious as the how that ended up in the news might look into that one yeah that, that's a good one we need to keep up on that one anyways you ready for my first one sure this one's from tech 
Spot.com. I think this one's pretty funny. The headline reads, The person who paid $30 million for a ticket into space with Jeff Bezos can't go due to scheduling conflicts. <laughs> think about that for a second. <sighs> So, have you been paying attention to the whole billionaire space race at all? Kind of. I, I, I've, I've seen a couple headlines. So, it started off, uh, you know, English billionaire Richard Branson. I don't know if you're familiar with him at all. No. He's not somebody you would really know outside of the whole space thing. He owns a whole bunch of companies. Mm. But he went to space a couple of weeks ago. And space is a loose term. Basically, they're flying really high up. And yeah. I think Branson's team went 53. 3.5 miles up there which according to some people is space but science does not have a definitive line as to where earth mm. ends and space begins there's a lot right. of debate as to how high you gotta go before you're actually in space like at, at what point are you out of the atmosphere well the atmosphere also nobody really knows where the atmosphere starts and stops mm. i was watching a video today that says the moon is technically in the earth's atmosphere and they can determine that based on the way that sun rays interact with particles like hydrogen particles Okay. And they're saying that interaction is going on like hundreds of thousands of kilometers beyond what people would conventionally think the Earth's atmosphere would be. Which right. makes it look like the Earth has a very limited atmosphere, but still an atmosphere beyond the moon, which right. is interesting to think about. Yeah, that is. So the question is where the atmosphere ends. Nobody really knows. I mean, there's different layers to it. Sure. But there isn't a definitive start and stop, and there isn't a definitive start and stop as to where space ends. Now, there is a point where a plane can't really fly much higher to, than a certain point because because you need some atmospheric resistance for a plane to work properly. Right. So I'm assuming that that line is kind of factored in. But this guy went, Richard Branson went up 53.5 miles. Now Jeff Bezos is scheduled to go up Tuesday, and they're going 62 miles. So they're trying to say that. So what are they doing up there? They're just going up there. They're just going up there. Literally just just going up there. This is a 10-minute mission. So Jeff Bezos and his brother are going. And then 82-year-old pilot Wally Funk, who's apparently a woman, is going up with them. And they auctioned off the fourth seat. Some guy paid. 27.9 million dollars for this fourth seat and now he can't go due to scheduling (laughs) conflicts he's like shit i got my book club or i got something on the agenda i can't go to space oh my god you would think that if you're gonna spend that much money to go to space that'd be a priority you you would clear that day but apparently not it's not like it's a long voyage just a 10 minute mission he can't take 10 minutes out of his day to go to space like (laughs) that's so funny i don't know but the seat is instead going to a kid named oliver damon who's an 18 year old physics student somehow he's got a rich dad who knows somebody who ended up getting him the, like the fourth seat on the thing. Jesus. So it's Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos's brother Mark, this 82-year-old woman named Wally Funk. Are they all going in the same one? Yes. And then this Oliver Damon kid, that's the crew. So and there is no pilot. It's just the four of them going up. Seriously. Oh <laughs> man. So like what company is 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 doing this? Uh, Bezos is he has his own space company, Blue something. Okay. So he owns the he owns the means of this entire production. It's his it's okay. his show. Okay. But I just can't imagine this, oh yeah, I'm just not gonna go. And this is an anonymous auction winner. So nobody knows who this guy was. All that we know is that he's not going to space. <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot so i thought that one was pretty funny i guess it's gonna be a 10 minute mission they're gonna spend about three minutes in space whatever space actually is now it's 62 miles up so that's pretty it's like far. not in orbit but close to being in orbit i guess or something sure so i found that one kind of funny i don't know about you but i can't imagine going out there without a pilot i guess everything's completely automated man i i would need somebody up there with me i wouldn't do that without with someone just up there. just the four of them yeah dude. that would be yeah yeah you're right it's crazy i don't know how fast like a 10 minute mission how fast are you going you 
be going pretty fast. Yeah. And if something goes haywire, what are they going to do? They don't know. I don't know. That would be crazy. Okay, Bezos, I mean, he might be smart, maybe. Probably not. But he he's, probably a, he's no Elon Musk. He's no Elon Musk. I mean, your only chance of survival is listening to the 18-year-old physicist. He's not a physicist. He's a physics student. A future physicist. <laughs> well, he could just be some kid that likes physics. Like, shit, at one point That's I was true. an 18-year-old physics student taking physics at in high school. <laughs> maybe I'm, true, maybe I'm qualified could, to go to space. He just seems like the most qualified person in there. Well, the 82-year-old pilot was, like, on some of the short lists to go up in the space. Oh. She probably is, honestly. Yeah, that's true. And once they go on the space flight, they're going to be considered astronauts. All four of them. Wow. So that's pretty cool. Oh, good good for them. Hopefully, yeah. it, I mean, hopefully it works out. I guess. I guess it's cool. It's an, no, I guess another large leap, huh? Now, Elon Musk is poking fun at them because they're not, like, going out of the orbit or not going into orbit or whatever. Elon Musk is going to get to Mars. He's probably, he probably will. Yeah. So and we've talked about this. Yeah, we have a couple on times. basically every episode, basically. <laughs> Anyways, you got any more news today? Yeah. So this one is from my son whenever he listens to this. So I think he would appreciate this. Okay. Listening. And this is courtesy of Paige. Paige sent me this. Baby has sinking feeling he has left home without oversized multicolor plastic keys. It's from Rockford, Illinois. Patting down his onesie with mounting concern. Local eight-month-old Joshua McManus was reportedly overcame by a sharp sinking feeling Monday upon realizing he had left home without his oversized multicolor plastic keys. Oh no, you gotta be kidding me. McManus reportedly thought of himself, his stomach dropping, and he wondered how he could possibly make it through the day without his large ring of blue, pink, yellow, and green keys. Crying out loud, I got so wrapped up in the game of peekaboo with Dada before I headed out. I must have totally spaced out grabbing them. I bet they're still sitting there on the activity table right next to my phone on wheels. Such an idiot. I can empathize with this baby quite a bit. <laughs> Me too, man. I don't know how many times I've left my keys. Yeah. I know this would be a good story for you because you left your keys inside the house yeah, last, last week. Last week. Uh, yeah, no, I can empathize. I need some oversized, colorful plastic keys. Definitely. At press time, a physically frustrated McManus has, had vowed to himself that he would never leave the house again without making sure he had picked up his colorful set of keys and explicitly placed them in his mouth. It's the best. That's the best option. Yeah, I mean, that's what you know. I think I think Hudson would have a lot to say about yeah. this because he has a set of big, colorful plastic keys. Now, does he always take them with him? Not all the time, but sometimes at least. But a lot of the times he does. Yes. Well, you should do is put like a spare house key in there and give them to him and just kind of like mold it in or whatever so that just in case <laughs> Hudson can save the day. That's true. That's a good idea. So he could be the hero. Definitely. Anyway, that's pretty funny. Thank you, uh, Paige, <laughs> for sending that one in. Yep. Thanks, Paige. Anyways, I got two more. This one's kind of weird. I don't know how funny this one is. This one comes from theguardian.com. Okay. Oh, and that was from The Onion. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, so it wasn't actually a real thing. It wasn't a real thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Anyways, my next one comes from theguardian.com, and it features a world leader that we've talked about before on the show. Are you remember Brazil President Yair Bolsonaro? Yes. He was the guy that said that crocodiles... Yeah. Are you going to turn into a crocodile from the coronavirus vaccine? Yes. Anyways, Bolsonaro may have emergency surgery after hiccups persist for over 10 days. Damn. Apparently, he's got a, like a massive hiccup attack going on right now. <laughs> And it, it might take it might take surgery to uh, overcome this one. Now this guy's a character because he just says some ridiculous shit, and Brazil's a complete dumpster fire right now, and he isn't solving any of the problems. And he he gets in the all the crazy conspiracies and all this ridiculous shit. And now the sixty six year old president has had hiccups for ten days. Could you imagine? That's no laughing matter. I mean, that's rough. I mean, that's I feel rough. I feel bad for him, but like, could you imagine? He's got to like give a speech, and he's up there and he's trying to give a speech, but he's hiccuping every five. 
words. That'd I, be absolutely hilarious. I couldn't do it. I hate I hate having the hiccups. Me too. It's terrible. I hate that. Anyways, that's really all I got for that one. But pretty funny. Man. I think it's kind of funny. We talked about it before <laughs> in the show. So yeah. update on President Bolsonaro. First, he was talking about the vaccine turning into a crocodile, <laughs> which hasn't been disproven yet, by the way. And now he's got the hiccups. So maybe that's karma. Yeah. Maybe it's a sign of things to come. We don't know. Anyways, you got anything else today? Yeah, I got my little random fact here. So I thought this is kind of crazy. You know, Ernest Hemingway was is yes. So Ernest Hemingway's life was plagued with bizarre, horrific accidents, many of which nearly killed him. Do you know about any of these? I've heard something about this before, but I can't remember anything in detail. He survived a mortar attack, anthrax pneumonia, amoebic dysentery, uh, amoebic, amoebic, amoebic dysentery, diabetes, two plane crashes, three car accidents, second degree burns, a ruptured kidney and liver, and a broken skull. He survived all of that. Two plane crashes. How do you get in two plane crashes? And he broke his skull. He broke his skull. He had a ruptured kidney and liver. Nah. Diabetes. Pneumonia. Yeah. A mortar attack. Basically a cat at that point. Now, is he still alive? I don't know. I don't think so. Interesting. How do you survive all that? No idea. That sounds like a walking uh, lemony snicket right there. Yeah, no doubt. Definitely. <laughs> that was a good one. That is a pretty uh, interesting. Yeah, that's. I thought down. I thought that was pretty crazy. Kind of reminds me of Roy Cleveland Sullivan in a way. <laughs> it does. Maybe they knew each other. I think he, he probably was, did. Was like. 20th century. I don't know that for sure. I'm not I'm not sure when he was born. All that I know is that his name appears in We Didn't Start the Fire. Hemingway Eichmann. Yeah, yes. I don't think we can say much more of that before this episode get taken down due to copyright laws. Right, but for sure. I think his name is mentioned in that song. Anyways, I got one more news story I want to get into. This one's pretty... Are you done with that one? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. No, you're good. This one's pretty good, I think. This is from Sky News, which we use all the time. I've never even heard of it before you started using doing this podcast, but this one's I think is pretty funny. Australia renamed shark attacks negative encounters oh my to God. dispel man-eating monster perception. Are you kidding me? Think about that for a second. Oh my shark God. attacks are no longer shark attacks in Australia. They are now negative encounters. So the article starts off with Leonardo Guida, a shark researcher at the Australian Marine Conservation Society, says ending the use of such terms help dispel inherent assumptions that sharks are ravenous, mindless, man-eating monsters. Monsters. So we can no longer call them shark attacks. They are now negative <laughs> encounters. And it's kind of funny because we talked about a negative encounter a while ago. We talked about the shark, the guy that got his leg bit off and had to fight to regain the shark tooth. Yes. Now that was an attack. At least we thought it was. I mean, the guy got his leg bit off. Right. Could you imagine you get your leg bit off and you get, it got bitten off by a shark and you got to go through the rest of your life without a leg? Everybody's going to ask you what happened to your leg because that's just what people do. As ridiculous as it sounds, that's what people do to people that have an amputated limb. Right. They constantly ask. Sure. How did it happen? So now this guy can't say shark attack anymore. He's got to say, <laughs> I had a negative encounter with a shark and I lost my leg. First of all, who... I've never heard anybody refer to a shark as a man-eating monster. No. Never in my life. Now, a whale, maybe, but sure. not a not a shark. Right. Apparently, they're trying to get rid of this negative encounter. Now, according to this article, uh, scientists say that terms such as bite and attack have created a culture of fear around the sharks. So now we are microaggressing the sharks <laughs> at this point. Pretty much. But they're concerned about the fact that the terms bite and attack have created a culture of fear <laughs> around the sharks. Oh, my God. To be completely honest, should you not 
not avoid sharks in the ocean. You probably Isn't that should. something that there should be a culture of fear around? Yeah. Like, you don't want your kid wandering around the ocean. Oh, there's a shark. Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, we're stereotyping sharks. Right. <laughs> by saying that they're going to eat you. Right. This is the world that we live in right now. This is insane, man. It's, it's going too far. And then, apparently, Queensland, which is one of the states in Australia, the state government has a website called Shark Smart that now includes tips on how to reduce the risk of negative encounters with a shark. You are also supposed to use the term interaction and incident in place of attack. This is insane. (laughs) I had an incident with a shark or an encounter with a shark. So what are the consequences if you break this law? No, this isn't law. I should note that. It isn't law. This is is is... the scientific community's recommendation. Oh, okay. I thought this was like, this needs to, like, this has to happen. Like, this is a mandated thing. Well, the scientific community thinks that they can make laws. So we'll see what's going to happen. I don't know. Okay. I don't know how. This uh, is just, just, like, it should be a social norm is kind of what they're saying. Yeah, exactly. They're trying to call shooting program us. Sure. So. That's ridiculous. Anyways, it's a longer shark attack. It's a (laughs) negative encounter. (laughs) I don't know why I found that one so funny. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Anyways, you got any more news today? No, I'm all set. All right, Ben. What is today's main topic? Pets favorite. Yes, my favorite topic. We're going back again to Aliens Part 5. Aliens Part 5. Aliens Part 5. And on this Aliens edition, which seem to be our most popular episodes at this point. I'd say so. We're going to be kind of getting into some of the crazier alien theories out there. Because let's face it, the problem with alien research is there's so much shit out there. And there's so many people out there that have these like, ridiculous theories about it. That there's no way of actually knowing like what's based in, based in reality and fact and what isn't. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get into some of the ones that we kind of find a little bit crazier than usual. Sure. So Ben, do you have any? Do you want to start us off? Now this is kind of more of like a conspiracy story have you have you ever heard of the franklin conspiracy i can't say that i have the franklin expedition Mm, maybe well so basically there's basically one i guess it's kind of a a wide theory among a lot of people but one one guy wrote a book i'll get into it in a minute so the franklin expedition um and i chose this because i think the theory is just kind of ridiculous honestly i think there's enough to kind of say that that aliens probably isn't the culprit sure but but we'll, we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see we'll see what you have to say pat on may 15th 1845 the british royal navy sent the hms erebus and its sister ship hms terror with 128 officers and men under command of sir john franklin who he was a legendary explorer at that time to locate the northwest passage Do you know what the northwest passage is yes it was a hypothetical waterway in north america somewhere that ever explorers assumed was going to be able to bypass the north american continent and connect the atlantic to the Pacific Ocean. Yes. Essentially, basically. Yes. And it's it's basically in Arctic Canada where it's basically a northern Canada and it wiggles its way around the Arctic ice sheets Circle, and shit. Yeah. And it makes its way to the Pacific. And they were also trying to find a way to China at the time yeah. from the Atlantic. So there is kind of a passage, but it's it's not what they thought there was going to be. They thought like the yeah. Lawrence Seaway was just going to keep going or that the Great Lakes were going to connect to something else or something. Mm-hmm. So anyways. So the Rebus and the Terror were like the best ships in its day. It had all the state-of-the-art equipment. It had 
I had a bunch of food. Like these, 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 these officers, and there weren't just officers on the the ships. There were also scientists and shit. Sure. Um, they were all equipped w- with the best state of the art shit. And uh, Sir John Franklin was the best explorer of that time too. Like he was a legend. He was kind of old at this point. He made a lot of uh, explorations, but he was known as a legend by this point. Makes sense. And he was the best guy out there. All right. A little over two months into the mission, uh, the ships were seen just east of the the passages entrance, and they. It disappeared forever, it was, and they were never seen by Europeans again. So the, the, the entire the expedition was lost. Yes. Wow. All every one of them went missing. The whole crew. That's crazy. Right. So now the ships were found eventually, like in 2014. But we're going to be getting into now, like, like what I just said, European never seen by Europeans again. Oh. So, okay. but there are people called Inuits. Yep. In Canada, so there are some pretty crazy, weird claims by Inuits, which the Inuit, the Europeans didn't really take the Inuits very seriously back then because they they have a lot of crazy claims about other shit so they didn't really take them seriously but some of the clues found during rescue expeditions by the Europeans so the expeditions they turned up a bunch of little clues like they found uh, on one site uh, they found some graves like a trio of graves sure uh, they found a note that dated back to 1848 indicating Franklin and 23 men had died wow and the ships had been trapped in the ice for 18 months okay uh, there was an abandoned sled and only two skeletons so out of all all the 128 people that were on the ship, they only found two skeletons. Wow. And, yeah. And uh, the local Inuit, they tell stories of white men that had slowly perished, and they saw a ship disappear beneath the ice. Now, for the longest time, that was basically all the evidence that they had from these ships. But sure. in 2014, they they actually found the ships in, in the water. In the water? Okay. Yeah, they, they found them, but they were, um, they were in the wrong places. But underwater archaeologists say that uh, when they fled the boats what probably happened was that the ice carried the boats to their final resting place because the one boat was found like 60 miles in a different direction where it was supposed to be okay i guess that makes sense to an extent yeah and uh also there was another theory that some of the men got back on the boat and tried to sail more when they ended up just sinking from from being stuck in the ice again so that was another theory that they had but they're pretty sure the ice just carried the boats to their final resting place sure and the terror when that sank when they found it it was in like pristine condition oh okay yeah which is crazy so so no like uh, iceberg holes or anything like that dude like the cabinets were like still intact like the dinner plates and shit like everything was like intact on the boat really well just underwater it was just underwater and they found so we're gonna get we're probably we're gonna get into the inuits testimony a little bit because now we're gonna start getting into uh the questions that this guy that wrote the book are is asking about this now i believe the inuits they're usually pretty spot on sure as far as as far as i'm concerned with sure what they say anyways so this guy named jeffrey uh blair ladd he wrote a book on the Franklin Conspiracy called Franklin Conspiracy. Franklin Conspiracy. Con- creative title. Right. And he claims that between 1818 and 1859, the British were hiding uh, a giant race of beings in the Canadian Arctic, like alien, like monster beings. Okay. And that they had superior knowledge and that they would have, that, they would have the ability to levitate ships and shit like that. And he believes that Franklin stumbled upon these alien monsters and that they got experimented on and that 
that's why their bodies were never found. But two skeletons were found. Well, so two out of 150 isn't exactly good numbers. No, it's not. The Inuits claimed that in one of the ships before it sunk that they saw a giant body with long teeth on board one of the ships right before it sank. That's what some of the Inuits, not all of them, but some of the Inuits claimed that they saw. Which is interesting. Now, a lot of this is based off of that's what what's in that book. I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's... But this is just what this Jeffrey Blair Latta guy says. Sure. Now, the Inuits and other... And when they did expeditions that on, on uh, one of the two bodies, there was uh, evidence of cannibalism. But what doesn't make sense is there was food left on the ship. So why would they resort to killing, eating, eating, eating each other? That's really interesting. I'm looking this book yeah. up right now. Yeah. I want to get it and read it, see what it's all about. Now, this is what's crazy, is in 1984, one of the bodies were exhumed, frozen and perfectly preserved, but they found that it had already been autopsied. And the they said that some of the organs weren't placed correctly and the rib cage was put back upside down in one of the skeletons. And a civilian searcher claimed that records of the Franklin incident or Franklin expedition were suppressed by the British Navy. And I guess an earlier explorer was apparently murdered for knowing secret of the Northwest Passage, whatever that secret is. So ba- those are basically the big claims. That is pretty crazy. Man, but I'm getting... I, I don't I don't really, I think there's enough to explain. Now, where all their bodies went, that's kind of a mystery. They don't really know. But to explain how the ship sunk, to explain, like, I think the majority of the crew got out and tried to make it on foot and they all died. Because you're, you're basically out in the Arctic at that point. Like, you're not around anything. Like, you're on ice. Yeah. So, it's, it's a very good possibility that they probably just all died. And where their bodies went, I don't really know. I don't know how to explain that. Like, I'm, I'm open to possibilities. But I don't, I just, I don't, I don't see how the British, how is the, how is the British Navy in the 1800s, or for however long, gonna hide alien monsters in the Canadian Arctic? Like, I just don't see, well, how, how can they just hide them out? There. Isolation. That's the answer to the question. Yeah, but if they're super powerful beings, who can just hide? Like, who are going to hide them? If they're not going to leave the area, maybe they're tied to the area for some reason, or maybe that's where they just live. If they know, don't have man. a reason to leave... It's like any species that we've in, we've encountered in the past. Like, for example, they didn't know that gorillas were a real animal until like the 1800s because they never left this remote part of Africa. Basically, you know what I mean? I don't know, man. Who isn't I, to I, say I'm, that? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really buying it, man. Now the pro- <laughs> the thing the thing is, and I don't know if I'm buying it either because I think it's a great story at the very it's least. It's pretty good. We, there's gotta be a movie made. Out I, of that. I've never heard of this. I haven't heard of that one either, and I can't believe I haven't heard of that one before. Right. I feel like I've heard about the expedition. I don't know if I've heard about the alien aspect of it, but there is a lot. Of stories out there of shit happening, especially in the 1800s, where they're stumbling upon stuff like this, and it get it gets covered up really quickly. Like, remember how you know how I always talk about the Smithsonian and how they cover shit up? Yeah. In the 1800s, that's what they did was they would show up at an archaeological site where it was usually out west, where something was discovered that they didn't really couldn't really explain. Mm-hmm. They just send their people out there to analyze it. Most of the time, they would just take whatever relics or evidence. They would just take it. They'd claim domain over it and take all the evidence away, and so you and- don't talk. About about it. They say we're going to punish you if we talk about it. And and trying to find information about the conspiracy was honestly kind of hard to find. You can really only find information that's kind of in the book. Sure. But they had there were a couple of websites I got this info from. There's you got uh, uh, pulpandagger.com, history.com, and uh, orbitbooks.com. Sure. Now the the history.com one it just kind of gives a good breakdown of what the ex 
expedition was. They don't really yeah. give any conspiracy. Which, of course, they're not going to because they don't, right. want, they don't want people like us doing a podcast about it and right. enlightening, <laughs> enlightening the general public on the topic. Right. Now I want to look into the Inuit folklore and see right. what exists because a lot of these stories that get me excited is when they find something that matches native folklore. Mm. You know what I mean? Sure. So, I don't know. I think it's a great story at the very least. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I don't have too much more to add to that because I don't know anything about it, but mm. I'm just saying there are situations where the people <laughs> stumble upon something and it's more than just a story. It's like, I, I think it's just, I think it's the alien monsters that get me. Like, I just, uh, I don't know, man. Like if you want to, if you want to see they if they want to say that they might have encountered a, a UFO or an, or actual aliens. Sure. But like an alien space monster, I think it's just a little far fetched to me. I don't I know. I mean, like they could have saw like a, like a giant, like a big animal. Like they yeah. could have saw like a, a space monster. Come on. But then again, too, the evidence of know, cannibalism man. when there's food still on the boat. I mean, there are the weird. bodies being weird, reassembled. There's weird shit. But how much of that is true? I don't know. I haven't read this guy's book. I don't, I don't know how credible this guy is. We need to read the book and do a, do a special on this. <laughs> Anyways, I think, it's, I think it's a great story at the very sure, least. Definitely. A little fringy. And I know I'm going to do one real quick. I'm not going to get really deep into this one. Sure. But are you familiar with the hollow earth theory? I've heard of the hollow earth because theory. Because this plays into that story a little bit. And I wasn't even going to do this one, but now I got to talk about it. I'm doing this straight off my head. Sure. So back in post-World War II 40s, so like 1947 and 1948, uh, the United States ran an operation called Operation High Jump. I don't know if you've ever heard of this one. Hmm. Basically, it was commanded by this guy named Richard Byrd, who was, I think, U.S. Army Air Force, I think. Or he might have been Navy. I can't remember which one he was. He's a high-ranking officer, and he's in the uh, the, fly, the Flying Hall of Fame at the United States Air Force Museum. Nice. He has a plaque in the Hall of Fame. Oh, good. Now, his plaque is very sparse compared to all the other pilots. I think it's the Aviation Hall of Fame is what they call it. But his plaque is very sparse. There's not a whole lot of information on him. You know what? I think when we went, I think you pointed him out to Yeah, me. I think yeah. I probably did. Yeah. But it's really it's a really weird story. So they went on this expedition to Antarctica, this Project High Jump. It was a whole big expedition that had a convoy of military people, like I think, I don't know if it was a thousand, like almost like a thousand personnel total to Antarctica just to kind of see what was going on down there. Now, the Nazis were known to have interest in Antarctica and even claimed some territory at one point. Now, they were down there. They were doing stuff down there. The extent of what was going on down there is really speculative. But when you look at the history, there's evidence that they, they ran into some Nazi resistance post-World War II in Antarctica. Hmm. Richard Byrd came out after this whole thing and said that the next world war is going to be fought against craft that our current planes had no shot against, that like flying saucers were real, and that he was convinced of all this ridiculous stuff. And the U.S. government pretty much put a gag order on him and said he's not allowed to talk about any of the stuff that happened down there. Mm. And he ended up getting transported to Bethesda Naval Hospital and held under isolation for five days after the expedition where he was debriefed and told, you can't you can't be talking about any of this shit. And that's pretty much what was known. Like, he fell off the radar shortly thereafter. And that's all that they really knew about Project High Jump. There's not a lot of information as to what actually happened down there. Mm. There's evidence that they got into a big fight and they lost a lot of men down there. Now what they were fighting, some people are going to say it was Nazis, some people are going to say it was aliens. But there's a lot of evidence that it was aliens that they found down there. There's also a diary that exists that's really fringy, and I don't know if I believe it, that they did a second expedition, and they were doing both the poles, like they were trying to find the poles. I think this one ended up in uh, the Arctic, so the north back where you guys were with your alien monsters, and they found a hole into the earth, and they flew 
around in the inner earth, according to this diary that was I've supposedly from Richard Berg. Yeah. And in this hole, they found like different alien species and then the core, they found the core of the earth, but it wasn't like we think of the core where it's a molten thing. It was essentially like a second sun, like a miniature sun inside of the earth that somehow powered like the inside of the earth, basically. Hmm. And aliens lived down there. And then like all sorts of like folk creatures, like elves and fairies were living down there and mammoths were living down there uh. and all sorts of crazy shit was going on down there. <laughs> So maybe fairies, maybe the earth is hollow and these these alien monsters live on the hollow earth. And according to the theory too, the the holes into the earth are where the poles are. And supposedly pilots never fly over the direct north or direct south pole. They always have to fly like around a certain radius. And there's also stories out of Antarctica where like researchers were down there and they found like a hole. Is there any other explanation as to why they would fly around it? Not really. Is there any type of like magnification? thing to deal with the poles i haven't seen any good good explanation for why they do that because you know how you know the planes fly over and are or, or at least the arctic a lot mm-hmm. like to from europe to the united states they always go north like through scandinavia because supposedly it's a shorter air distance or whatever sure but there's stories out there from pilots that say well you can't fly over to the south pole because there's a hole in your the plane's gonna fall into the hole or something which doesn't make a whole lot of sense but hmm. so anyways that's kind of weird the hollow earth theory and project high jump but it kind of plays into the whole expedition in the arctic you know what i mean <laughs> I guess. Maybe there's something more going on up there. Possible. Only the Inuit know for sure. Right. So that that's uh, the Hollow Earth theory. I wasn't even planning on talking about that one, but <laughs> I decided to sneak that one in. Richard Berg, look him up. Very interesting story. Even like the factual stuff, there's a reason why you've never heard of him before, or most people haven't heard of him. Right. And it's because they didn't <clears> want him talking. And he was talking. He was saying some ridiculous stuff. Right. And everybody tries to talk it down like it's nonsense, where you put this guy in, in command of this operation, he's got to be a relatively reliable guy. Right. Think. And to silence him like that, but to still put him in the Air Aviation Hall of Fame, it's crazy. It, uh, to me, it's interesting, at least. That's interesting. Now, I don't know if any of it's real. I don't know if the Hollow Earth is really real, but it is one of my favorite fringe theories, at least. Sure. Anyways, do you have any more? I, I have, um, <clears throat> I think, yeah, I have a couple more. I mean, you, you can do one if you want. Okay, this one, I don't know if it's really a fringe theory, but it's like questionable academic research in terms of what I believe, at least. I found this one. Have you ever seen the SETI Institute? Are you familiar with that? The, um, the SETI? SETI. S-E-T-I. Mm-mm. It's the search for extraterrestrial intelligence is what it's called. And it's a like a, it's, I don't know who it's financed by, but it's like, I think it's American. It's a search for extraterrestrial intelligence institute. Mm-hmm. So basically scientists and whatever, they get together and they put together a plan. Again, I don't know who it's funded by, but it's kind of like an academic group that's at least open to the idea of aliens being out there. And they put together plans as to how to contact aliens and stuff like that. So it's a pretty cool group as far as I'm concerned. They're not perfect, but the guys that work for them, they'll put out videos and they'll go on the, like the ET videos and the alien videos. And they'll have, like, good stuff to offer. Sure. Anyways, the video I watched today was done by Seth Showstack, who you've seen on the videos. I can't really describe him, but you would if I showed you a picture, you'd recognize him on any of the Ancient Aliens or the History Channel shows. <clears throat> yeah. So he was talking about this study that came out of the University of Nottingham. Scientists at the University of Nottingham decided to try to figure out how many other alien civilizations live in our galaxy. And they figured that using math, they could determine how many other civilizations are in the Milky Way. Okay. And they came up with the number. <laughs> 36. 
There are 36 other alien civilizations in the galaxy, <laughs> according to their according to their mathematical research. So just just the Milky Way. Yes, and apparently the whole thing was they were running with they were using humanity as kind of like their base control level. So they were like, well, if we come up if we came up with radio waves after 4.5 million or billion years of the Earth existing, and we were broadcasting radios for a hundred years, then other aliens are going to do the same thing, and they're also going to broadcast radios for hundred years and something it was just like they had all these like mathematical formulas that they used they even called their calculation the astro biological copernican limit wow <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous it's there's not a whole lot going on but they came up with 36 so we need to find out who funded this that's the question they lost a lot of money in this deal and that's the thing with academic research is you could literally come up with anything get somebody what, what, interested in that's got some money put together a grant whatever you spent on that was just completely wasted and then they said that we're never going to find them because if there are only 36 species in the entire galaxy that they'd be like 17,000 light years apart on average so that's why we haven't made any contact yet sure but it just goes to show if you've got a degree you can really you, the sky is the limit Un- unbelievable <laughs> because you can make up whatever you want to <laughs> and like I'm reading like like hardcore scientific journals like analyzing their methods and like agreeing with these guys like anybody could just make up anything seriously you're right so that is the that's funny the university of nottingham's astrobiological copernican limit nottingham where where is that that's gotta be in england yeah definitely like the sheriff of nottingham robin hood yeah maybe the sherwood forest is haunted with aliens do you ever think of that could be that's my next fringe theory anyways you got any more uh yeah i have theories yeah i don't know if this is a fringe theory it's uh you ever heard of donald trump uh 45th president of the united states 45th president of the united states yes genius billionaire playboy philanthropist yes anyways yes so you ever heard of the guy named richard von steenberg probably it's kind of like a crazy conspiracy theorist sounds like a crazy conspiracy theorist name now we all know about the shape-shifting alien reptilian people that run everything yes definitely he he like kind of gave that like a lot of steam sure that conspiracy theory yada 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 So when Donald Trump got his diagnosis for COVID, he basically believed that an alien apocalypse was about to happen after Trump got that. Because now, not just him, a lot of other people believe that Trump is an immoral alien. I can see it. And that um, he was an immortal alien and that he contracted COVID so that he could attempt to shed his mortal flesh and shapeshift into something else. What that something else is, I'm not sure. And who is filling in for Donald Trump now? We don't know. It could be another. It could be another alien shapeshift reptilian. So if Donald Trump is an alien, a shapeshifting alien, that would have to mean that his son is also a shapeshifting alien. Yes. Have you seen how tall Baron Trump is these days? Fifteen-year-old <laughs> kid. Yeah, he's getting big. He's six-seven. <laughs> Seriously. Well, that makes sense. I mean, Trump's what? Six-four. Six-three. Six-three. His sons are tall. Hell, his daughter's pretty tall. Yeah, I guess his wife is pretty tall. His wife's tall. I can but see it. That kid is shapeshifted. Because he wasn't that tall when he entered the White he House. He had a growth spurt. And now he's 6'7". <laughs> Get out of here. Dude, one of my ex-girlfriend's brothers at like 15 was like 6'11". It's absolutely insane. Like he was huge. Maybe he is also a shape-shifting alien. Not a shape-shifting alien. I don't know. I think there was some credence to this theory. But um, now, they believe 
believe that Trump is uh he they believe that Trump is with the alien agenda to subvert humanity and take control using psychological manipulation. Now Steenrod believes that Trump is either an H E T, which is an human alien hybrid, or he's a C E A, which is a human complacent and alien plot. So he's one of those. I'd go with the first one over the second one. I'm not as sure about the second one. I would say he's probably a hybrid before he is a whatever the second one was. Like I I don't I don't really know if I can get behind the whole reptilian thing. Now, if you want to talk about alien-human hybrids, that's kind of different. You're more receptive to that one? I would say. I've seen some. Very... I, I just, I don't, I don't see the whole reptilian thing. Man. I just, I, I can't, I ha- yeah. I've never really gotten onto it. It's a little far-fetched, but I've seen some creepy, like, alien-human hybrid videos before. Like, I was watching the UFO Hunter show. I don't know if you ever saw, ever, ever saw that on History Channel way back in the day. It's yeah. old. It's old. Well, I've seen it on YouTube. Yeah. It, they talked about this one guy who was a Navy officer, and he kind of looked like an alien. I think, I think he was in the Navy, and he got decommissioned because they ran a blood test on him and they found out that his blood they don't know what blood type it is it's something they've never seen before mm-hmm. and he's got a second like medical condition that just doesn't it's like a complete anomaly in the medical world sounds like they need house yes they do but they were talking with this guy for a while and he kind of looked a little weird like not really normal and at one point the one guy his name was bill who's kind of the leader of the alien research group and he's on all these other documentaries too he was like well we have to come clean with him and let him know the reality that he's an alien human hybrid <laughs> and the guys in the group were like what we can't just say this this guy like this is gonna be completely ridiculous you can't just say oh yeah by the way you're an alien human hybrid is our conclusion to the thing and there's like a big ethics discussion as to what they were gonna actually tell this guy it was crazy that's crazy anyways you got any more with that one that's kind of a, that's kind of fringy for me though yeah well if you want to talk fringe i've got the fringiest theory ever let's do it let's hear it are you ready yep so this is this is my favorite alien conspiracy ever and this is the first one that i got into like hardcore and i gotta credit tim for this one because tim was the one that found this one and maybe watch the videos on this and it's i call it the kgb alien races book is the theory now i have a book on my phone that i bought on kindle today for only three dollars so it wasn't like i wasted a lot of money on this some people might say so it's called the book of alien races and it's basically a modern compilation of everything that was in this kgb alien races book and this book is by gil carlson and he supposedly met some guy in europe somewhere whose dad was a ukrainian uh diplomat back during the days of the USSR and they were when they were cleaning out his like apartment or his house whatever after he was getting ready to move they found boxes and boxes of old USSR classified documents and they asked this old guy hey you know do you mind if we kind of take some of these he's like yeah you know I haven't been doing that stuff in a while you guys are feel free to take what you want basically and they spent weeks going through these documents and just kind of seeing what they could find they didn't know Russian but they were able to translate it a little bit so they were able to read some of the stuff mm-hmm. and then they found this book that was supposedly the KGB alien races guide and they asked the old guy about it and he's like oh yeah i know that one and he's been like updating it like as he would get more information and supposedly this book was originally published in 1946 and it was given to smirsh agents i don't know if you know what smirsh was it was like the soviet counterintelligence group sure like world war ii era they didn't last much longer than that before the kgb pretty much took over all the all the intelligence of the ussr but this book is a trip it's got all these like details on these alien races that are supposedly in contact with the (laughs) world and it gets constantly updated apparently there's a group that constantly updates the information as they get it i don't know where the hell they're getting <laughs> their information from but it's it's a ridiculous book and at one point uh 
somebody had a copy of it and it got lost in a car crash. Like the guy got wrecked with a book in the back seat. And when they went to the wreckage, the book was stolen out of it. And they've got like pictures and drawings of what these things look like and details on them. And when this car crash happened, this car crash happened in the eighties, like in the two thousands, you ever hear the mass effect video games, mm-hmm. the aliens in the video games were exactly from that book, which is kind of weird. So did so, they, did they ever find the book again? They didn't find that copy, but there are other copies out there. Okay. Supposedly. So this whole thing revolves around the intergalactic politics that in play around the earth. So there's alien species is visiting earth and the book kind of details like who's nice to the humans, who's evil against the humans, who's indifferent, where they come from and yada, yada, yada. And what's weird is uh, the book has like 80 at this point and there's a YouTube video that has like 82 that you can watch. It's a pretty good video. The book that I have on my phone had 58 outlined in the book, but it's got a lot of stuff like that you would know, like the Anunnaki's in there. The reptilians are obviously in there. The greys, you know, the greys. Mm-hmm. And the Nordics, you know, the Nordics, the, the guys that look like Scandinavians. Sure. They're in there. But according to the book, there's good aliens, there's bad aliens, and then there's aliens that seem just not to really care about humanity at all, but are still coming to Earth. Now, what's ridiculous is there are good aliens that protect the Earth, and they formed the Council of the Five. <laughs> Which used to be the Council of the Nine. What happened to the other ones? <laughs> Apparently they dropped out. Oh, no. So the current Council of Five includes the Orella, the Aragut, the Jimving, the Reden, and the Emerther species. And the Emerther species is the most important. And they're like the most powerful alien species in the entire galaxy that we know of. And this Council of the Five has met with world leaders in the past, including three separate meetings with Eisenhower. And they also are meeting with Soviet leaders during this time as well. Now, they wanted to meet with President president nixon but nixon refused because he was afraid that they were going to read his mind (laughs) and then there's another race in this book known as the jeffox j-e-f-o-x who met with president kennedy three weeks before he got assassinated and they haven't returned since then and they were peacemaking aliens they met with him and then he got assassinated and then they never came back Mm. so what's ridiculous about this book is when was this book written the original one was in 1946 is when the smirsh agents got it and it just says that it was given to the smirsh agents it doesn't really say where it came from now who never mind continue are you asking who 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 updates this who who, updates it it's a combination of human intelligence and the aliens themselves updating this book okay apparently the council of five keeps tabs on what's going on and gives information to the humans intelligence who then uh update the book because obviously the humans can't there's not enough human intelligence to track all the shit that the book has but the council of five is doing it for us basically Hmm. so then you got the bad aliens which include the reptilians which we know about and there's like a bunch of different subspecies of the of the reptilians you got the alpha draconians which obviously come from the alpha draconis star system you've got even the greys some people say the greys are actually reptilians i don't know if that's true or not but and then you've got the matra m-a-i-t-r-e which is another one that pops up a lot in this book they're pretty bad as well and according to the other aliens this is a parasite race that they kind of jump onto planets and kind of suck away the resources over time so they're pretty bad and then there are other bad races out there but they don't want to come to earth because they don't want to deal with the reptilians and the matra (laughs) so in a way the reptilians and the matra are kind of protecting earth from other bad races that aren't going to come here because they don't want to deal with the with the reptilians and the matra. Mm. And there's also some ridiculous species out there, such as the Miguel. It isn't known where the Miguel come from, only that they have two bases on Earth, and they seem shy and avoidant of humans. And their two bases are in South America. All that they do is they collect rodents and insects, and nobody knows what they're, like, why. But every 20 years, a Miguel spaceship comes back and just kind of checks in on them. But they don't interact with humans. They don't interact with any of the other aliens. But Brazil captured three of them and currently has them in custody. 
<laughs> and they're still they're still down there in South America, like right now. Now, did they capture the vessel? They didn't capture the vessel. They just captured uh, boots on the ground. Okay. So they got two separate South American bases. All they do is collect rodents and insects. They don't talk to the humans. Even the other aliens say that they won't even talk to them. Like they're super shy. They're just here for our rodents and our insects down there. And they, they catch like a thousand of these like every month. And they don't know what they do with them. That's just what they do. They catch a thousand of these aliens? No, these insects. Oh. The aliens catch the insects and the, oh, and the rodents. okay. They're just like weird little zoology people basically. Interesting. And then you've got the ARK. A-I-R-K. Now they come from the constellation of we're going to go with it. <laughs> they don't interact with any humans or aliens. And nobody even knows what they're doing here. Although they know that they show up. They stop for a little bit, and then they go then they go somewhere else. Hmm. That's all that they really know about these guys, the Eric. Now, here's here's a bad one. The Bootians, <laughs> also known as the Salamani Confederation. Oh, shit. So you can call them Bootians, or you can call them the Salamani Confederation. They're from the constellation Boots, and they're hostile towards humans. They're also part of the Orion group, and they're reptilian-like. And they're, I guess they're closely related to the draconian reptilians that I talked about earlier. They eat human flesh. So this might be tied into your story with the cannibalism. Sure. Maybe maybe those guys were encountering Bootians. Possible. They're also known for infiltrating galactic civilizations. They want to dominate Earth entirely, and they see themselves as the ultimate warriors. Hmm. And they're a half-breed of the original Chikar race, but that's according to some guy named Alex Collier. I don't know his credentials, <laughs> <laughs> but... Apparently they're part of the Chikar race. Hmm. So that's pretty crazy. Interesting. Now there's so much in this book. Like this book itself is absolutely bonkers. Okay, here we go. So on page 79 of the book that I bought on Kindle, it's titled Aliens on the USSR. I'm just going to read the page. It's a short page. Since the formation of the USSR, its leaders were extremely interested in all the information they could get on aliens. They knew of their existence and visits and wanted to gain their knowledge. Little knowing that the death of Russia's Tsar Nicholas II had been planned by aliens and that their own circles of power had already been infiltrated. So the communists were trying to find out about the aliens. They had no idea that the aliens were already involved in the communist party and had already taken out the Tsar for them, basically. Mm. Several secret missions were deployed by Stalin to the South and Central America after two generals found a book that belonged to Tsar Nicholas II's wife and Gregory Rasputin that had a map showing the location of alien bases. The map was later used in the school system minus the locations of the bases. <laughs> so they found this book that the Tsar's wife and Rasputin had that had the bases marked in South America. Think about that for a second. Hmm. So That's crazy. All of this can be traced back to Rasputin, basically. Should have wore your Rasputin shirt. Yeah, I thought about it today, but I decided to go with this one instead. <laughs> it's a good one. It is. Okay, here's one. The Messengers. They have no image of these guys. Probably the most enigmatic of all alien races. Not much is known about them, but they visit Earth every 300 years, and they're due any time now. They do not reveal themselves, and they do not make direct contact with humans, but they leave carvings, drawings, writings on rocks, as well as symbols on historical monuments, and they find like, teardrop-shaped ships. This book is crazy, dude. <laughs> like, you got one called The Rack, which are, like, aliens with tentacles. It's like, they look like an alien, but they got, like, these, like, tentacles all around. Mm -hmm. They've only visited Earth five times, though. According to some Muslim scholars... They inhabit an unseen world and a dimension beyond the existing dimensions of our universe. According to Muslim scholars. <laughs> but apparently their immune system can't handle Earth. Mm. Or they can't handle the animals on Earth. Sure. And they haven't been back since 712 AD. Yeah, they're, they're due. And then there's one called the Invisibles <laughs> that they can't see. No shit. 
They have been seen, in quotation marks, now seen is a strong word, near high security areas. They're almost completely invisible to the naked eye, but the U.S. and Russia have developed technologies to track them on radar. (laughs) (laughs) Three things are known about this race. They leave a sour smell when they're near. When they are near a window, you can see the reflection as a smudge-like figure, and this has even been caught on CCTV footage. No shit. When many dogs or only one, start barking with no apparent reason, it's possible that they are nearby. And if it's not them, it's reptilians. So, you don't see that with the dogs? It, yeah, so if you if you think about it, a lot of the a lot of the shit that we see on security cameras that we think are ghosts could be these could invisibles. be aliens. Could, could be, be the invisibles. invisibles. They come from the constellation Mensa, and their purpose is unknown. They, nobody knows what, what they're doing here. Dude, I can kind of see that one. This one's it's crazy. This shit's crazy. They're called the invisibles, you said? Yes. Those are probably the most compelling, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> now, this one's called 2017. Again, there's no picture of these guys. And they've only contacted humans one time, and this was in the USSR in 1935. <laughs> and they're called 2017? Yep. That's the name of the race, the numbers, 2017. They spoke some kind of Slavic dialect. They left a written message with about 10 sentences. They come from a completely different galaxy that is th- 13.2 billion light years away. How long did it take them to get here? <laughs> well, apparently they use a wormhole so they can bend space, so probably not too not too long. And in the original book, you know how they left 10 sentences, mm-hmm. nine of which are blacked out, and the copy that this author had. So only one sentence remains. 2017 to 2022. That's all that's left. 2017 to 2022? Yes. And according to reports, they smelled like flowers. <laughs> but they're only, <laughs> they only here one time. So what do you think those numbers mean? According to the book, and the book has information on all of this shit. Yeah. Seems the like be- the book has an answer for everything. The beginning of the end is in 2017, and the end of the end is 2022. Oh my god. There's also a species out there and i can't remember what it's called but they've been analyzing humanity and it's like they get, we, we have like 600 options left to save our <laughs> planet but we're running out of them great so let me get to the uh, cover of this book real quick because i got i gotta cite it because i read a lot from it it's called the book of alien races by gil carlson uh published by blue Pan- blue planet press the material in this book has not been submitted to or approved by any u.s or russian intelligence agency <laughs> if anything is discovered that is not considered by your agency to be classified notify the publisher <laughs> it has that disclosure right on the cover jesus so that's the book of alien races by gil carlson and there is an excellent youtube video if you search kgb alien races it's like an hour and 20 minutes long but it's excellent if you want to <laughs> now you need to kind of have a maybe a cocktail or maybe some herbal relaxation sure to enjoy this one <laughs> but dude this book is hilarious and i didn't even scratch the surface of what's in the book no, i was just reach it reading off some of the species that are funny but when you put it all together there's a lot going on here but it plays into all the other conspiracies out there now obviously it could just be a compendium of everything that people have heard over the years it's kind of what i'm feeling but and they've got pictures of like on the video they got like pictures of like aliens like they're like like admiral akbar's in the video <laughs> but what they what they claim is that <laughs> shit <laughs> What they claim is that the book had the aliens before Hollywood got them, but Hollywood's been using the book to portray aliens in movies. So, like, Admiral Akbar could be an actual alien. And it could have been in, like, he could have been in the book. Yeah, this is definitely the most fringe. (laughs) 
and it's this is it, it's the greatest thing of all time as far as I'm concerned. I could do I could do this. We could do another episode just on this book. Let me see the picture of the book. All right, let me show you the cover. <laughs> I paid three dollars for this. <laughs> and it's got like a hundred and fifty pages or something. That ain't bad. But I don't know. I mean, Russia had some weird ass shit going on. Who isn't to say that maybe they had this book out there? It's possible. And what's funny is all the interactions between politicians and the other one too. Remember when uh, the Pope went to Cuba back in 2013? I don't even remember that at all. It was a while ago. I don't remember that. But apparently when they went to Cuba, Castro and the Pope were also meeting with the Council of Five. And they said that when the Council of Five returned to Earth, it triggered a whole lot of like hurricanes and tsunamis and all that other shit. Mm -hmm. So the book is trying to explain a lot of natural phenomena as the aliens coming back. Because obviously their ships entering the atmosphere would probably cause some disruption. Sure. And if a whole lot of them, if the entire Council of Five is showing up, that could be pretty chaotic. You know what I mean? Right. But this book is kind of scary too because some of these are kind of scary aliens. <laughs> but I'm kind of happy that the Council of Five is out there. Right. My biggest concern is that there used to be the Council of the Nine. So what happened to those other yeah, four races that, that they that's dropped what out? I'm concerned about. And there's also, like, at the back of this book, there's, like, a lot of enigmatic warnings from the aliens that supposedly got transmitted to Earth. And it's a lot of bad stuff. It's a lot of, like, doomsday stuff. And the one is, like, it's the Council of the Five now, but it's soon going to be the Council of Zero if you guys don't get your shit together. <laughs> so it is kind of scary, but I don't know. That's my favorite alien fringe theory out there. That's and crazy. Every time I watch the video, I always learn something new. So I've seen this video like 10 times. And then Tim, Tim's the one that brought it to my attention like way back. So I remember showing up to the store the one day and following the one guy, the one manager around. I'm like, dude, I got to tell you about these fucking aliens, man. This is going to change your entire life. <laughs> and then what was weird is that shortly thereafter, me and Tim both had like these weird encounters yeah. with like the men in black kind of. Yeah. So it was after we found out about this video. That's crazy. It's probably because we were talking too much. Or we drew a connection that we weren't supposed to draw. Because we were, like, coming up with, like, hypotheses and stuff for this shit. Mm -hmm. And, like, I was studying history back then at the time, too. So I was had a lot of history in my head. And I'm watching this video, and I'm like, oh, shit. All of a sudden, the blinks in history are being filled in pretty well by these aliens. <laughs> so, I don't know if I believe all of it, but it's definitely, if nothing else... Pretty if you compelling like, shit. If you like aliens and if you like kind of sci-fi, this is the coolest thing that you're going to research, as far as I'm concerned. Honestly, I, I want to look into the Invisibles. Yeah. No, it's crazy. I think about it though and i've heard different stuff about this this type before yeah. and even in the book that i brought that i ended up using today they talk about alien races that are not really like tangible they're like gases basically mm -hmm. so maybe they're the invisibles it's possible man anyways i think that was a pretty good discussion do you have any more fringe that theories good. no I'm, I'm basically all taken up i could do i could do so many because i had a bunch of bookmark pages that I, I decided not even to talk about right but the other question i got before we get out of here is obviously this is probably a hoax but how do you come up with all this shit like how do you <laughs> come up with these different races and come up with details about them like why are the Boutians also called the Salamani Confederation <laughs> why is the one race just 2017 right and then there's a bunch of ones that just have like really weird names like impronounceable you'd have to have one hell of an imagination to come up with all that shit yeah but then again too like the one race was supposedly involved in there was an incident in 1996 in Brazil and they do a breakdown of that incident and apparently it was this alien the entire time and the Brazilian government never talked about this UFO incident in Brazil, but a lot of people saw UFOs flying around one day. There's a lot of evidence, and all of a sudden, it just all disappeared, basically. Hmm. So crazy shit. Man. And even in the book, they're like, "Well, that whole incident happened. It was real. Aliens crashed onto the Earth and were captured by the Brazilian government, and then the United States bought them <laughs> from the, from Brazil." <laughs> Sounds about right. Anyways, that's the Alien Races book. Check it out. Check out the video on YouTube. You got to dig a little bit. Sure. Research KGB Alien Races book. You're gonna find it eventually. I will have to put the link up there on the Facebook. Definitely. 
Definitely. But anyways, that's all I got for fringe theories. I feel like we could, I could sit here and talk for three hours about this <laughs> shit. But anyways, we appreciate you guys listening. Yeah, thank you guys so much. If you have any alien fringe theories, please tweet us at 30 in the and let us know. Or if you're an alien, tweet us at 30 in the. If you've ever seen an alien, if you're interacted with one, if you've been abducted by aliens. The good thing about this book is it does give you details as to who abducts aliens and who doesn't. So if you have a question as to what race you need to look out for, this is the place to start. Everything you want to know about aliens, you can find it here at 4.30 in the morning. Yes, we are the experts. <laughs> and we're good at kind of coming up with the stuff, letting you guys know what you need to worry about, what you guys can kind of not worry about. Definitely. Uh, we're still here, so I don't think there's a whole lot we need to worry about right now in terms of... Well, stay away from the Northwest Passage if you don't yes. want to get eaten by a alien monster that lives in the middle of the Earth. Correct. And please check out our Facebook as well. We're going to have some stuff up there. I'm going to try to get the links to some of the stuff up there on Facebook this week. Hell yeah. I apologize for waiting a while to get the last episode up. It took me a while, but... No big deal. Anyways, on that note, we about ready to get out of here. I think that's it. All right, man. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed Aliens Part 5. We've got more coming out, so... Definitely. Peace. Interesting. Now, there's so much in this book. Like, this book itself is absolutely bonkers. I have some pages. I'm going to see if I can get to my bookmarked pages. Sorry. No, you're good. I had. I thought I had something funny. Let me see if I can find it. This is going to be our worst episode. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Right there. It's my Muttley laugh. Okay, here we go. Maybe the Sherwood Forest is haunted with aliens. Did you ever think of that? Could be. That's my next fringe theory. What about Fangorn Forest? I don't think it's on Earth. That's in Middle Earth. I know. I was just... Oh, you're trying to be funny? Yeah, I was trying to be dumb. It didn't, it didn't quite... Damn it. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, before we get started... The outtakes, you have to let me know if the outtakes were funny on the most recent one that I did. Okay. I thought they were pretty good.